Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts and minds of your faithful people. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's so good to be back with you, Grace Church. Uh, I feel like I'm making a regular uh, showing of myself here, but uh, it's only because you have these good men that you're raising up for ordination. And uh, so I was just here at the beginning of June, I think it was, for Curtis's ordination to the priesthood. I'm basically here to make sure he's doing a good job. Is he doing a good job? All right. I've heard reports of this at the same, so it's good to know that. So, and of course, I was here uh, at the end of last year, I think it was, to, uh, or sometime in February, sometime to ordain Jack McNeil to the priesthood as well. So, it's uh, lots of occasions to be at Grace and love being back with you. Uh, and what a special time today because we've got so many to be uh, confirmed in the church, to be received, or those who are reaffirming their faith. And so, reaffirming their baptismal vows. So what an exciting day to be with you. So lots of, lots of things going on. For those who are going to be confirmed, uh, an opportunity to stand and, and received and reaffirmed to, to say, yes, I profess that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and I want to follow Him in this world wherever He calls me to. That line of, that, that following of obedience that God calls us to. And so uh, and also just an empowering of the Holy Spirit, to ask the Holy Spirit for those who are making this commitment to this congregation, to the wider church, to our Lord Jesus, to ask that God would empower them for the work that's before them. So I want to think with you about that this morning as we turn to that gospel passage today. There's, there's a real uh, contrast between the Old Testament reading you heard, uh, the book of Jonah, and, and the New Testament. And the Old Testament Jonah is in the midst of the belly of the well, and he is repenting of his disobedience, his unwillingness to go where God called him. And we could talk this morning about Jonah and the reasons why Jonah was refusing to. Probably had a lot to do with pride, his pride being a Jewish person, not wanting to see these, these, these pagans repent, and, and, and he wants to see God smite them. He doesn't want to see him have repentance on them. Also, kind of a reluctance to believe that God's grace could extend out to, to, the, to the types of people that Jonah's being called to, the Ninevites. But on the contrast, we've got the disciples, and these disciples are willing to do what they're called to do. Now, I'm just coming back off of a hiking trip. I've just been taking some vacation. So if I'm a little rusty today, it's just because I've, I've not been doing the work of a bishop for a few weeks, but, but I just spent some time on the Appalachian Trail with my son-in-law, Andy. And I got to tell you that it was such a joy to be with him because Andy is one of these guys that he doesn't fight you on everything, right? If you tell him we should probably do this or that, he just goes along. The only thing he ever fought me on was food. I, uh, he's a big guy. About 6'4", I don't know, 230, played baseball at Florida State. And when I told him we were going to carry this much food, he said, oh, no, that's not going to be enough food. He said, I, I, I'm a big guy, Alex. I need to eat a lot more food than that. And he was right. Come to find out, I was probably on a starvation diet when I've done earlier hikes. So we increased the amount of food. But with everything else, 
Andy was willing to go along with what someone who had been doing hiking for a long time was willing to lead him. And what a joy, right, when you've got someone willing to follow where you lead. And yet we know that obedience does not necessarily mean it will be an easy way, right? Oftentimes, that's the case in the life. I don't know what's before you today. I don't know what decisions you have in front of you, what things you're feeling the Lord calling you to do, but surely in the midst of thinking about whether you can obey, whether you will obey, is this realization that things may not go easy. And that's definitely the case for our, our good disciples this morning, right? It's a familiar passage. You know, you know this passage about the, the, the disciples in the boat. They've been with Jesus during these gales, these squalls on the Sea of Galilee before. But this time, Jesus, we're told in the Scriptures, literally pushes them onto the boat and sends them out. The way the Scripture says it gives you the sense that, that He's not giving them much of a choice. He is sending them away for His own good reasons. And the disciples are obedient. And yet, in the midst of their obedience, they find it very difficult. Now, the Sea of Galilee is a lake, but it's a rather large lake. It would look a lot like the St. John's River. It's some of the brightest points, the, the widest points. I was with the, the confirmands, the youth confirmands over at Marywood last night, and my wife Jody and I went out on the dock, and you look across the St. John's and you realize it, it is a really wide river. And it almost looks like, for people that don't know, it almost looks like a lake. And that was my same experience when I went to Galilee and I, I saw the Sea of Galilee. It is, it's quite large. But unlike other lakes, there, these squalls can come up and these storms can rise up that can be quite treacherous and they can create waves. And they're, you know, you've got the scenario of sort of the, the, the ship out at sea with the waves crashing in. And, and even though these are seasoned fishermen, they're having a really hard time of it. Now, it seems that they were probably almost four-fifths of the way across the Sea of Galilee, but they have been laboring hours upon hours, obedient to what the Lord had called them to do, and yet here they are struggling in the midst of the water. The first thing to note for those who will be confirmed, for those who are who are being received or reaffirming their faith, and for each of us this morning, is that the Lord has His purpose in what He calls us to. We know that. And, there, and even in the midst of that, some purpose is caught up in our willingness to be obedient even in the face of really deep, deep things. For Jesus, this passage is really about Him revealing Himself to be the Son of God, to be divine, that He, in fact, is God. Just prior to this passage, we have the feeding of the 5,000, and Jesus, like God in the, in the Old Testament in, to the, with the manna and the wilderness for the children of Israel, God rains down food for His people in the desert. And here at the feeding of the 5,000, women and children, men are fed abundantly to, to the point that perhaps they even begin to think that, in fact, this is the Messiah and He's come to take care of us. We know in the Gospel of John, the, the parallel passage to this one here in Matthew 14, we know that they actually try to forcibly make Him king. Perhaps this is the reason 
why Jesus is insistent that the disciples get in the boat and go out, even though he surely knows that they're going to encounter this storm. He has his purposes. He sends them out. And it's important to remember that we're never safer than in the middle of the will of God. To know that to God, if God has called you to something, even if it is difficult, there is no safer place to be. And I love the picture of this, and, and I want you to kind of get it in your mind. The, the Sea of Galilee has hills that, 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 that rise up above the sea, and then they, they swoop down to the sea's edge, and then, of course, the sea uh, is there. It's four or five acres wide and six or seven acres deep. It's, it's, a, it's a large lake. But here is Jesus drawing away by himself on the hillside, and he is watching the disciples struggling in the boat. He is there in prayer, and you know, until it's dark, and I'm certain Jesus had night vision. He could see even after the dark. But even before, as he sends them off, he's watching them out there, and he is watching them as, as the evening passes on, and he's watching them struggle. But they are never outside of his vision. They're never beyond his sight. He has a purpose in their struggle, but he is watchful over them. And at the exact moment when he is supposed to, Jesus comes to them. I don't know about you, church, but I am comforted by knowing that even in the midst of the things the Lord has called me to obedience, when I'm feeling the most inadequate, to know that the Lord is there looking down on me, watching me, ready to intervene at the appropriate moment. That brings great comfort to me. Jesus is allowing them to struggle on the boat is all a part of his care for them. We get, a, we get a glimpse of this as Jesus talks a little further in the passage when, when Peter is asked, actually invited to come out onto the water. Matthew's the only gospel writer that records this, this walking on the water of Peter, which is really interesting. Matthew clearly wanted to make sure his church community, that first century church community, understood the importance of this faith walk that happens. But even as Peter begins to see the waves and the wind and begins to begin become distracted and, and, and fear grips his heart, Jesus grabs hold of him and says, why, oh, you have little faith. Oh, you've, it, it, we know in that moment that Jesus is intending to build our faith. And over and over again in the Gospels, we see Jesus interacting with the disciples and them responding sometimes with great faith and sometimes with little faith. Peter wanting to make tabernacles and live on the Mount of Transfiguration, or proclaiming that Jesus, in fact, is the Lord at Caesarea Philippi, but then in the next breath, wanting Jesus to avoid the cross and the suffering, or wanting to stay up on the Mount. All these things are, are meant to build the faith of the disciples, and so the Lord would build our faith even in the midst of those difficult things that we're struggling with. Wherever you might be, whatever your boat looks like, wherever you're trying to figure out, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be obedient to you, Lord. Why is this so hard? Well, the Lord has a purposefulness in that. And in that, He's working it out, that He's, he's building your faith and my faith to continue to trust Him even in the middle of the hard things. Jesus 
challenges us. Jesus has this ability to perfectly draw us to himself and then challenge us. Whosoever will may come. If anyone would follow me, he must take up his cross. Deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. It's that balance of drawing us and challenging us, calling us on, ever on. And so when Peter sees that it's Jesus, after his heart has been gripped with the fear of a ghost perhaps on the water, what in the world is this walking at us? Anybody old enough to remember the old Twilight Zone episode where the, the guy's on the airplane and he looks out the window? Remember that? And he sees, he sees a being out on the wing, right? Scared the dickens out of me as a little kid seeing that. And, and surely Peter was equally scared seeing this figure walking to him on the water. And Yet it's Jesus. And once Peter knows it's Jesus, what does he do? He, he says, Lord, let me come to you. And there's no sense in which Peter steps out of the will of God by doing this. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, come. Peter is invited to step out of the boat and to walk towards his Lord, to emulate his Lord. And I'm not saying that that we're going to be walking on water, but we're called to follow, to imitate our Lord. Jesus said, greater works than these will you do because I go to the Father. We're meant to exercise the very things that Jesus does, the way he loves, the way he serves, the way he heals, the way he proclaims. We're called to imitate him. And so it's not out of character that Peter would be invited to walk towards Jesus. And so he does until he sees the wind, until he sees those things that had gripped his heart earlier and what gripped the disciples' hearts as they struggled against the wind and the wave and the unknown. There's always that tendency to reach back and grab whatever we think we can be secure in, whether it be the boat, whether it be our money, whether it be a return to people that were safe or a place that was safe. There's always that, that underlying temptation to, to turn back. And in the midst of that, Peter feels that fear. And he takes his eyes off of the Lord. And he begins to sink. But I want you to notice that there's, yes, Jesus says, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? But he grabs hold of Peter, even before Peter can get to a point of dropping into the water. He grabs the hold of Peter, and he pulls him up. Jesus saves Peter in that moment, just as our Lord saves each of us. And he's mighty to save. He is able, by his cross and resurrection, he has provided salvation for each of us, that, that we would be saved. I love the passage, shared it with the confirmation class last night. I, Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That same faith that grabs Peter and pulls him up and brings him into the boat with Jesus is the, the same power that saves you and I by the cross and resurrection. 
Jesus wants to call us out of the water. He wants to challenge us to continue to be faithful to Him. He wants to remind us that obedience sometimes is difficult and there's a struggle involved, but there's a purposefulness in that struggle. We're called to move on out, to step out of the boat. Well, this morning, what, what word is there for us? What is the, what's the word for Grace Anglican Church, Fleming Island? Well, it's simply to continue to step out in faith. Now, I know your rector is on sabbatical, and you know what that means. The Lord is speaking to him. And he's, you know Mike, he's going to come back with all sorts of ideas, right? You, you know that, right? You let him go. You understand that the Lord is speaking to him even as he's spending this time in sabbatical. He's going to come back with fresh battle orders for us. What we're to do, what you're to do as a congregation. Will you be ready for that challenge? Not just Mike's challenge, but the Lord's challenge. I just want to commend this congregation. You are doing so many things. The way you're investing in teenagers and children and this congregation and young adults, it is commendable. Continue to invest well in the lives of children and youth. It will pay off in kingdom dividends exponentially. Continue to raise up incredible leaders for the church. This is the will of God. You're to be commended in that. Continue to invest in church plants like the Table St. John's and Lenny Conchwitz and, and their pastor as, as he's himself going to be received this morning. Continue to do that. Continue to, to invest in places like Good Samaritan Middleburg and help to see that. This is the will of God. This is those steps of obedience of continually stepping out in faith. But what I say to you is, Understand that this is the way of obedience. It's, it's moving out of your comfort zone. It's stretching yourself. It's being willing to struggle that your faith might grow and that you might see the kingdom. The passage ends, Deacon Luke ended the passage appropriately, as he should have at that, that last verse, verse 33. But, but just to give you a hint, verse 34 tells us that Jesus, after entering the boat, takes the disciples to the other side of the lake, the Gentile side. And there he is proclaimed as Lord and Savior. And many come for healing. And many call upon him as Lord and Savior. Grace Fleming Island, continue to get out of the boat. Continue to be obedient unto your Lord, knowing that He will give you the strength and the grace to go where He leads you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.